fire, fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner Show. Why am I dancing, you might ask? Because I hit the intro right on Zinos. Hello, Damien Dunn. Joining me from uh, up north. Let me put you on the screen there. There you are, so all the podcast listeners can see you. How's it going, Dame? It's going well, Pete. How about you? Oh, it's going. It's a very busy Friday, so we definitely need to get through this because I have a lot of important things to do that do not include this. Uh, Dame, uh, just so you know, it is Reese's peanut butter egg season. Pete, it's been Reese's peanut butter egg season for weeks now. It always is Reese's peanut butter egg season in my heart. Um, As everyone knows, it is the perfect, perfect combination ratio of chocolatey goodness to peanut buttery yumminess and that is why the Reese's peanut butter egg is to be celebrated good day jeremy good day daniel hello to all of our normal live viewers 10 a.m eastern on facebook live or meta live uh, uh twitter and uh youtube live Dave, what's your favorite way to watch the show when you're not here uh i don't Oh, good. Fantastic. I know we had some uh, a new employee here uh, start recently, and someone said, uh, the person was saying, like, so do people watch the show? And it's like, well, sometimes the people here watch the show, but I don't blame them if they don't. The other idea was like, well, oh, you must listen to the podcast all the time. And it's like, no, 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 we don't, we don't listen to the podcast either. But why should anyone? Like, uh, you don't want more of us when you're on your own time, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess if I'm really going to be honest, uh, I probably went with uh, YouTube to watch because I didn't have Facebook on my phone for a long time. Uh, I don't think I still do. So uh, yeah, I, YouTube. YouTube is my go-to. Dame, lots of user-submitted questions. Listener questions this week. Uh, people who emailed askpete at petetheplanner.com. We're going to talk 401ks. We're going to talk chronic healthcare situations and how... I mean, chronic health situations and how they impact retirement planning. Uh, uh, And then finally, we are going to talk about, what's the third one? Uh, Was it the... uh... (laughs) Oh, the timing of 401k deposits as it relates to employers. So lots of 401k questions. People asking if I've got Miguel. I have Miguel Caliente today, which is to say just coffee uh, from the Nespresso machine in the office. Dame, I hit Costco yesterday trying to be the fun CEO and got copious of snacks for all the good people. Really? So we've uh, reloaded uh, the the snack assortment at the office? Resnacked. Now, the other weird thing is there is an orthodontist, uh, orthodontist office in our building. And what's very strange about that is a significant number of people who live in my community go to this particular orthodontist. I have kids the age of the patients of this orthodontist. So that is to say uh, our friends, our kids' friends are constantly in the building and they constantly stick their head into our office and say, is paid hair? And I would like to offer their kids snacks. And so what I've said is our office is the white van of... (laughs) our office building because i'll just offer you goodies if you come by yeah free candy free candy that's i mean again you and i were talking uh, off the air about the the mail backfire Mm -hmm. which is to say sometimes you try to do something really good and it backfires and we our hypothesis why am i we we purposefully said we were not going to talk about this on air and then here we are here we are 
Dude, do you want to do this or not? It's fine with me. Are you going to stay out of it? No, I'll, I'll jump in. The hypothesis is that when men do things, it is more likely that that thing backfires as opposed to when a, a woman does something very uh, infrequently, will it backfire in relation to the act? I think people need an example. Yesterday, uh, it was February 10th. There's no reason for me to be fun on February 10th. I mean, it should just be like any other day in February, which I'm completely boorish. So on February 10th, after a, uh, an important business call, the likes of which I will have after I finish with this stinking show today, I decide, you know what? I'm going to go to the, the Boba uh, Bubble Tea restaurant ramen place behind our office and get my 12-year-old daughter some surprise boba. So I do that. I take it home. She's so excited. She hugged me. She said she loved me. I mean, so, so far, this kind act is all you want. That's all you want. Sounds like it's working out great. <clears throat> it was until it wasn't. She drank it really fast. Mm. Like just supersonic inhaling it. And then she became sick, nauseous because of all the sugar in this situation. So much that she did, couldn't even eat dinner. She was so nauseous the whole night that she couldn't sleep till 2.30. Oh. So much so that Mrs. Planner, graciously, when the loving act stays up with her because she just is so uncomfortable. And then... People wake up in the home. I didn't know any of this was going on, but I was asleep. <laughs> I will just say this. The wintry cabin sounds that I listen to when I sleep now of like a snowstorm beating against a cabin window with a fire crackling. Occasionally a cat purrs. That's what I listen to when I sleep now. It's weird because sometimes the, the sound mixes off and then the cat's like. <laughs> and it's like 2 a.m. And I'm like, I just want fire crackle. Like back off the cat. It's an eight hour track that's on YouTube, it is an eight-hour video that I just turn my phone upside down so the screen can stay on because it's YouTube, and I listen to this cat purring. Anyway, it's kept me asleep. I wake up this morning. Everyone in my house is mad at me. Everyone. And all I did was what, buy boba tea for my did, daughter. What did Ted do? He didn't get boba tea. Oh, Ted doesn't count. T Ted's on my tea. He's fine. I took him to school. He's more concerned at that point in time that I don't embarrass him when I drop him off yeah. by saying like, hey, have a good day. I love you. I hmm. uh, took him earlier this week and he said, I said, I love you too loud when the door was open and he thought someone else could have heard it. <laughs> you can't have that. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep my son uh, on the, the straight and narrow by telling him that I love him on a daily basis. Also backfires. My point is this, Dame. I find that when men do things, they often backfire. Why is that? Uh, we may take uh, more risks, maybe think outside of the box a little bit, maybe not follow the, uh, the path that our kind and loving actions might lead to, to those that we are, are trying to, uh, to, to be kind with. Uh, so it is a bit of a, a conundrum that we, we try so hard and we, fail so often but there is a there's a group that i blame for this pete well, who, blame, are blame, who are you blaming i blame sitcoms the sitcom dad the he dopey is, sitcom dad he is the one that has ruined this for everyone kevin jane james yes yeah, how I, so uh, well first of all mr james 
I'm not besmirching you personally because Mr. James can fight. He can fight. Yeah, he he's he's really good. At what? Fight people. Wait, bears? No, he's fighting people, Pete. Who Kevin James is fighting people? Uh he's trained in martial arts for a long time. He can fight. I love this the underbelly of your martial arts experience. The, this is, there's a reason you're Krav Madi. Yeah. Because we're talking about a dopey sitcom dad. Yeah. And you bring up the fact that this person can defend himself. Yeah, he, he's he's the real deal. What does it say about you? that Like how excited you are that you can defend yourself? I mean, I have a shot at defending myself. I, I mean, against you, yeah, I can defend myself. But, you know, but I wouldn't attack you. Well, see, I, I win already. <laughs> I'll continue. It, it, the sitcom dad has ruined this because everyone expects dads these days to just be the the, the lovable goof who who tries his hardest but often fails, and uh, we just don't all have our own personal laugh track as we walk around the house making these gross missteps. So I, I blame all of this on sitcom dad. That is a reasonable hypothesis, actually. Yeah. So it's just highlight. Our our errors are highlighted. It. I have to say, uh, not the reason you do something nice isn't for the reaction that you, and how you get to feel. You you do it because you know you make the other person feel good. But I'll I'll say, knowing that a backfire is likely when I do something nice, for some reason doesn't stop me from trying to get the reaction I want. Like my daughter giving me a hug and saying, oh, thank you for surprising me with this boba tea that's going to make me nauseous and keep both me and your wife up all night and then have everyone angry at you in the morning. I mean, is it really your fault that she drank all of it so fast? Okay, so this is an interesting question (laughs) because the answer is obviously no. But the rule of the backfire is that facts don't matter. Exactly. Exactly facts do not matter with the backfire like because the fact is uh, the second i gifted i'm done i'm out i got i'm like hey this is on you but i started the chain of events it's the butterfly effect this is a good opportunity to learn personal reliance and responsibility for your children i mean you can if if you give them a I don't even do, are they called large boba teas or do they have those silly names like venti and grande and all that other no no whatever it's, the, it, the naming con- convention is for these teas the the giant one that could you know keep a marathoner up for you know 52 miles instead of 26 point two whatever uh it's not your fault well it's no not, it's not I it's know. not your fault Pete it's I know not your, it's not your fault Pete but it's my problem it's not your fault Pete don't we often talk about things may not be your fault, but they're still your issue? Oh, yes. 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 Anyway, happy Valentine's Day, honey, if you're listening. <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, Dude, I brought it home for Ollie, and I was like, hey, I got this for you, knowing that Valentine's Day is coming. And I was just I'm sort of being a goofy dork at this point. I was like, so you're going to be my Valentine? And she goes, yeah, sure. I got nothing better going. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's good. All right, good. Yeah. Does uh, Do any of uh, Mrs. Planner's friends listen by chance? No. Oh, okay, no, good. No, no, we're good. No, we're good on that no. front, too. No. You know, I've never considered that, but the answer is no. I. By the way, if, if you're currently friends with my wife and you're listening <laughs> to this show, it is not – you are banned from the show 
if you <laughs> extend your thought beyond this community. And Pete will buy you a large boba tea to, to buy your silence. Let's start the show. I've got a lot to do, and we are, oh my gosh, we got to go. Ooh. I, I really am very important. And three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And we will answer your questions. Today, we're answering like three questions. So I'm pretty excited about that. I said we, and I'm not uh, a French person giving the affirmative sign. I am joined by Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Hey, Dame. Good day, Pete. Dame, we just had a team meeting prior to uh, 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 the radio show here today. Uh, so I got to see you twice in one morning. I'm pretty excited about that. Well, I, likewise. I am happy you got to see me twice in one morning. I, I think the best part of that team meeting is that you got proven right. You got proven right. And I got proven I misunderstood the challenge in front of us. Did I? Did that happen? Was I right? And I admitted that prior to the radio show, though. So well, I'm glad you let everybody know that I was right. Well, dear Pete, my employer recently sent out the updated 401k plan summary as it normally does every January. The plan summary discusses the graded vesting match schedule up to the six year fully vested mark and talks about forfeiting any match money beyond the vested amount should one depart the company. That part I fully understand, but there was something else that caught my attention later in the document. It went on to state that any matching dollars that the employer adds during the current plan year is forfeited if you, if you should leave or be terminated during that same plan year. Is this type of match stipulation common, legal, ethical? I've been at the company for eight plus years, so I'm fully vested and I've been regularly contributing. I hate to think that if in, say, mid-November I get terminated, for stealing the boss's car. No, I added that part. <laughs> or something, I'd lose a very generous match build up during the year. Thanks, Miguel the Milkman. And that person says that uh, that is their alias. They said, P.S., take a look at the gift card display at the local retailer next time you're there. I saw a name your price gift card that was redeemable on four different online gambling sites. Couldn't help but think of a financial advisor receiving one of those for Christmas and distributing the, the money amongst his apps. Ha, ha, ha. Beautiful. Dame, what do you think? Uh, first, I, we can do this as, as quickly or as, as at length as possible, but the short answer is it's not very common, but it is completely legal for an employer to do this. A lot of them, well, not a lot of them, some employers choose to make their 401k matching contributions after the end of the year, and they require you to be employed on the last day of the year to receive that contribution. Now, that is totally separate from your contributions. Your contributions have to be made in a timely manner. They can be remitted, uh, they're supposed to be remitted as soon as feasibly possible that, that money can be separated from the general accounts of the company. But if they can't do that, they've got up to the 15th, of the day, 15th day of the following month the contribution was made. So uh, this is separate from your contributions. And your contributions can't be taken away from you. It is just the match that is in question here. But if the employer chooses to make uh, one big contribution after the end of the year, they can require you to be employed with them at the end of the year to receive that contribution. At the risk of angering partners, clients, 
anyone else associated with our firm, I have an opinion on this. Uh, I find it incredibly insincere to have a vesting schedule for 401k match. Like, I just don't, I, I get it, right? I, I get why it's legal and the thought behind it. I just find it to be something I would never, ever do. Now, vesting schedules for stock options and things like that, totally get, totally get that. But a, a retirement plan deposit? Like, I, I just, I, I find that, I don't know. I, 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 I can't find the right word. Because it's not unethical. Distasteful? I don't, I don't, what, distasteful? Distasteful? Yeah, that's the right taste right there. I think it is distasteful. Um, I'll note, I've had some conversations over the years where people have said, well, hey, if they leave, then we just leave the money comes back. Into the, and it's like, okay, that's strategy? Petty. Danza says it is petty. She says that, of course, on Facebook Live, where you can watch the show every Friday, 10 a.m. as we record live. It does seem petty. Mm -hmm. Think about how far that pendulum has swung from when most companies offered a pension for their employees, and they were going to pay you not to work. 401k gets rolled out, gets more widely adopted by company after company. They still want to participate in your retirement somehow. They decide to give you a little bit of match. And now I'm not saying that the, the, the trend is growing, but it's very possible that they could just say, well, I'm sorry, we're actually going to keep that money going forward. I view a 401k, at least for our organization, as a point of pride of we're getting these people on track for retirement. And, and think about this for a second. Let's say someone's working here and let's say they get fired. Or let's say they leave because they want to go continue their career someone else. Seems rather punitive for me to say, oh, now I'm going to take you off track for retirement. Why would I do that? Like that doesn't, if someone gets fired here, that doesn't mean I would dislike them. It just means like they got to go work somewhere else. Why would I want to like ruin their financial life other than taking away their, their current income? And then God forbid someone finds a better opportunity somewhere else. And then I'm like, uh, that's great for you, but I'm going to hurt you on your way out. That makes no sense whatsoever. And I, I just would never do that. That would be a fabulously bad look for a financial wellness company to do something like that. I think it's a fabulously bad look for anybody. I mean, I get the economic realities of turnover and the job market and the great resignation and everything else, but I mean, a cold, work culture is so important and be, having an engaged workforce is so important. And because people don't scrutinize their 401k plans when they get hired or when they're working there, this, the secret culture fractures when that person leaves and the money gets yanked away from them. There's a, <clears throat> there's a number of people that you can find on social media that vehemently dislike 401ks for any number of reasons, but this has to be one of them that when they leave their, their position in this company and they see their 401k balance mysteriously drop by a, what could be a significant number uh, when they transfer that balance into an IRA or the next employer's 401k. Uh, that's, 
that's a problem. You're not going to get very many uh, good uh, Google or Glassdoor reviews uh, if uh, if you do stuff like that. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. Now, I mean, 401k design is a very important component to a healthy workplace, right? The the right match, um, you know, your loan policy, all of these sorts of things. Uh, but man, the ma- the the vesting schedule, it's pretty rough. Pr- pretty rough. So. To answer the question, which Dame already answered, perfectly legal, doesn't make it l- less petty. And but it's also worth noting, Dame, and we should always be as frank and transparent as possible. It's possible we don't understand the complexities of this particular situation. And so therefore, if we did, if we were uh, privy to the, the intricacies from the leadership of that company, maybe we would feel differently because we are then more informed. <clears throat> but I doubt it. It's possible. It's but, possible. But I think you're right. Dame, coming up after the break, do you want to stick on the 401k thing or do you want to do a little uh, f- like a healthcare sandwich? Because we have the healthcare question next or, or, and then we could do f- 401k after that. What, what do you want to do? It's your choice. So let's do a healthcare Sammy. Ah, yes. The old healthcare sandwich. So coming up after the break, here's what we're going to do. It's a great question. Someone writing about a chronic health condition that they have and how that health condition may impact how much money they spend in retirement and how quickly uh, they spend or how conservative they are with that money. All of that is next on the Pete the Planner show. I'm your host of the program. I'm Pete the Planner. Talk about your all time. Try to hit the post and take like a two second pregnant pause. Yeah. I, you, you're a pro. All right. Here we go. Oh, you are busy. You're rolling right into segment two already. Well, I, 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 I um, we have interviews happening on the other side of this wall here. Right now? Yeah. Oh. I like to go, hi. <laughs> I know, Paradox. Like, I don't know these people, right? It's like, uh, they might work here, they might not. I, you know, I don't know. I, you, uh, you mentioned uh, when I was down there earlier this week uh, that we we're going to be redoing our doors soon. Yes. Could we make one of the doors free candy? That's a good point. But only at children's eye level. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a free boba. Ask for yeah. details. Yeah. So I want to know in the comments here, we got some people in the chat. Um, my Boba situation, my fault? Yes or no? Boba situation, my fault? Yes or no? Uh, maybe you didn't hear it. It was before the first segment. But I mean, I was the, the Boba situation doesn't happen if I don't buy the Boba, but I'm not sure it's my fault. But I mean, of course it's my fault, right? No, no. All right, uh, let's do the show. I mean, really, I do gotta go. Um, I could also grab the question. Do do do. Okay, oh, that, this is a great question, and I'm really glad we're talking about it. We had to deal with it in a delicate manner, but it's an amazing, amazing question. Yes. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. You know. The question I'm about to read is a really honest, important question that deserves uh, a really important conversation on the air, right? Like it, it is something that people rarely ask, but often think. 
and 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 so we're going to do it and i just want everyone to to know to not be dismissive of the real concerns that are going on here because it's a hard question and, and we're going to do that i'm also going to hit the cough button so i can cough glad that big purchase paid off for us finally thanks for filling the dead air i appreciate that but yeah. good day pete my wife was born with a congenital disease pkd I didn't Google it, uh, that ultimately required a liver and kidney transplant. We were incredibly blessed that she was able to receive those transplants this past year, and she's doing great. Our question pertains to longevity planning for retirement, which we hope to do in the next year or two. She's currently 55, and I'm 56. Should we assume the standard conservative longevity timeline, 95-ish, or should we shorten hers? Her doctors assure us, that transplant patients can live 20 or 30 years or more. She has a company-funded pension with a 50% survivor benefit and feels we should account for a possible reduction in that payout into our planning simulations. It seems counterintuitive to me to plan for a longevity risk to age 95, but also try to plan for potential early demise. Thanks for any thoughts you have. Man, what an incredible question. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, before we go too far, because I know you're going to dig into the particulars of this, I want to say how happy I'm glad I, I am that your wife's transplant went uh, well, and that there is a great prognosis long term. We are also very <laughs> thankful for that. Yes, totally. So, Dame, this is a great question because here's the here's the other side of it that I used to get when I was a financial planner all the time. In fact, from a friend uh, of mine, said, you know. My grandpa died when he, by the time he was 50. My dad died by the time he was 50. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to die by the time I was 50, despite the fact that nothing was really wrong with the person uh, that they knew of. They just were like, hey, it's going to happen. And it was very a matter, as a matter of fact about it. And so the person was YOLO and hard, right? Uh, and my perspective on that was like, I feel you. However, you are proven right only if you die. And to be, <clears throat> to be proven wrong means you're alive, and that's a problem. Right. Yeah, if you go through that um, that phase and you are looking at fam familial history and you decide that, you know, uh, time is not on my side and I'm going to get the most out of every minute, and reality, your, re your perceived reality doesn't come to be, you're going to be in a pinch down the road because now you don't have the assets that maybe you should, or maybe you've had a, a, an incredibly large lifestyle because you thought it was going to be very short. And there are major changes that are going to have to happen for you to have um, any semblance of a, a comfortable lifestyle going from, from one extreme to the other in retirement. Now, sometimes uh, in normal pension planning like this from a survivor's benefit standpoint, it can make a lot of sense to take the 100% uh, not a joint option uh, pension. And then all you would do is buy life insurance. Mm -hmm. So the, de the, the demise of the person who earned the pension, when they die, a big chunk of money comes in and replaces the pension. That, that concept, it's a pretty old school financial planning technique. It's called pension max, right? Pension maximization. You maximize the amount of pension you get by not discounting that pension so that there'll be a survivor benefit on it. You know, like <clears throat> I tell the story, it seems like every week, grandpa done, retired from General Motors uh, in 1983. 
passed away in 2014. He had a survivor option on his pension. So then when grandma done lived for another seven years, she had an income. Had he not done that? Wow. That would have been terrible. Because they sometimes people with a pension, sometimes they retire with no assets. They just have income. They didn't have a lot of assets, but they had a nice income. When he passed away in 2014, had he not had a survivor benefit, had he not made that election, had he gone, oh, give me a bigger amount while I'm alive, and then she can figure out what to do on the back end, that would have been a big problem. But Damon, in this situation, this person can't get pension max, right? Because um, why would... The, the the wife get she can't qualify for life insurance after a transplant so you almost have to take the survivor benefit right yeah I, th- this all kind of boils down to the quintessential problem in financial planning we don't know how long we're planning for i mean if, if everybody could come into an office and say i'm gonna die on such and such, and such date then planning becomes a math problem for the most part but but having this variable unknown makes everything so much more difficult. So you've got to figure out what, what are we, what's the risk that we want to take off the table? Is it not having enough income in retirement for the surviving spouse? Okay, how do we plan around that? Does that mean that we can save enough money to have um, uh, enough assets to give us a stream of income for both of us uh, to, uh, to live comfortably in retirement? Should uh, we beat the odds and, and we have plenty of uh, uh, plenty of time together or or do we want to be a little bit more aggressive with our spending because well, we don't know how much time we're going to have together we want to make sure we make the most of of the time that we do have so which risk or, or which which avenue do you perceive to be the most important for you and now there could be an, any number of other health factors that go into this decision not just uh, the the transplant which uh, i am certainly not minimizing the health impact that transplants call, uh, have on an individual but maybe there's some other things that, that doctors can point to to say that might cause a little bit of problems down the road that we need to account for in some of these projections for you but it's not going to be specifically a decision that's made uh, by one or the other person in, in the relationship. Uh, and there may need to be some outside perspective given to, uh, to this, this couple because uh, there may be a whole set of unknowns. And maybe there's a, a, a group of people with this condition that can share a perspective on, on what they have to look forward to. A couple other factors here. Number one, you know, can the husband, in the event of early demise for the wife, can the husband, uh, without the survivor benefit uh, of the pension, do the, does the math work, right? And if the math works, then I don't necessarily see the need to take the survivor benefits on the pension. However, you also have to account for the fact that people love to dismiss uh, we'll figure it out later, mm-hmm. right? So one of the most common financial planning challenges that I used to see and probably still exists, there's no reason it wouldn't, is that people will put together a brilliant first 15 to 20 years of retirement in terms of retirement planning. They'll say, okay, retirement at 65, here's the math. Uh, by the time we're 80 and we're in good shape, you know what? And then on the back end, there's some uncertainty, but we'll just sort of make decisions as we go. Dame, unfortunately, that's a horrible idea because once the deficiency is detected when you're 79 years old, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's beyond too late. So, you know, 
I think it goes back to your early comment. The, the, the unique challenge of financial planning is you don't know how long you're planning for. And it has to make sense whether you're planning for a day or for 30 years. Uh, and there's going to be no perfect outcome. You know, people love to joke about my last check bounces uh, as they're singing a hymn at my funeral and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's funny-ish. Not really. I'll smile. Um, would you... So these people need to sit down with financial planner. That's the mm-hmm. first and foremost. And then whether the husband can survive without the the her, you know the survivor part of the pension dictates the whole answer, right? Yeah. Uh, sit down with the planner, lay everything out, give them all the dirty details of of the financial situation that you've got. I would guess they're probably going to have you plan for longevity, and then if the situation changes, you may be able to adjust things mid course. Coming up after the break, do four hundred one k contributions that your employer make impact the stock market because it all dumps in at once? I'm Pete the Planner, and that's next. Stock post that good, that good. All right, let me pull that question up. I, I think a lot about my buddy who's like, I'm dying by 50. Uh, have I told you? I've told you. That I, I, I feel like I've shared that with you before, right? It's not the first time I've heard that from you. <clears throat> He's still alive, by the way. He's not 50 yet. Oh, he is. Oh. Yeah. It. You know what's weird, though? Every time I see him or see his name, but the, it's horrible. Like, the first thing I'm thinking is like, is he dead? Alive. Is he alive? Like, because he he put that in my head. Yeah. Because like, there's possibility, like, if your grandpa dies and your dad dies, I mean, mm-hmm. there's both either reasonable logic based on a medical scenario that you could die, or it's just an understandably irrational thought. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine uh, walking around with that as my uh, self-identity or my perspective on what I have to look forward to and how that would, how that would influence virtually every decision you make going forward. That would be so tough. It is, is, oh, that was a, that was a rough word I was going to go with there. We'll do it anyway. Uh, it's as reckless as someone who doesn't acknowledge that they will eventually die. Sure. Yeah. Boy, this is uplifting. Mm. I'd go get a Miguel right now out of the fridge but then I'd have to walk by the interview taking place because it's a glass conference room. Yeah. And then that, and then I'm running with, with ear monitors in with a dangling cord, grabbing a cold brew coffee out of the fridge, not making eye contact, and then running back in here. So I'm sort of trapped. We need to get you a, a wireless mic so you can just roam freely. And maybe a, a, like a little mount that your phone can sit on to, to give you the video as you go. That, that'd be fun. Just call your shot. Around. Who wins the Super Bowl this weekend? I'm going to go with my heart and say the Bengals. Same. I'm going with your heart as well. <laughs> Good. It's, it is Valentine's season. Are you going to get a gift for either of the ladies within your life? And by ladies, I mean your your wife and your daughter uh, on Valentine's Day. And if you do, will it backfire? Doubtful that I get a gift for either of my ladies on Valentine's Day. We'll probably get Dairy Queen on the way home from the swim meet this mm. weekend, which Ooh. I think I think counts. Can you imagine Reese's peanut butter hearts in a Eliza Blizzard instead of cups? Um, what is your top three Dairy Queen orders? Um, descending order, if you would, please. We're, I'm assuming we're just speaking uh, frozen treats at this point. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about the grill. We're talking about the chill. So start with your third choice, your second, then your first. I might be ascending. I'm not uh, sure. What do you got? All time. So even if it's not on the menu anymore. I am. I am. I am super generic in my uh, frozen favorites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the third one would probably be a, a, some sort of a, just a, a butterscotch dipped cone would probably be my third. Oh, one. that's a good choice. That's not generic. I think that's a great answer. I think so. It's going to get worse, though, but go ahead. Uh, Oreo Blizzard. Okay. Generic, but it's good. Cookie dough Blizzard. That's pretty generic. Yeah, see? I told yeah. you. But I am a simple man. And I, I'm, uh, see, Pete, here's one of the spots you and I differ. <laughs> one of the one of the spots you and I differ. I could have two things on a menu from almost every restaurant I go to and never look at anything else and be perfectly content because I found two things that I enjoy that are consistently good and I don't feel the need to expand my boundaries at all. Whereas you like to scout the menu and you've got a number of different things that you want to try and you go back and you might pick a different thing for five or six or ten visits in a row. I, I don't work that way. I, I appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate that. I know that about you. Top All right, number three for, three for me. Okay. What? Is it top, top three for you? Top three for me. It's a tie, which isn't fair, but it's but it's on the same plane. Uh, a Reese's Cup Blizzard okay. or a Butterfinger Blizzard. Okay. Number two is uh, a Peanut Buster Parfait. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then number, th- number one... Was uh, it was a limited edition treat they had years ago that my wife still mocks me <laughs> for every time we're getting any sort of frozen confection. She 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 whips this idea out and mocks me. We were we were at the uh, Dairy Queen in Zionsville together once. Oddly enough, right next to a Rolls Royce dealership, which is really strange. I don't know. It's a really weird place. People, people who have Rolls Royces can't enjoy Dairy Queen? I don't know. It's called a peanut butter mountain. <laughs> and it basically is just a bunch of ice cream and various types of peanut butter and chocolate elements. And it's probably 90,000 calories. And I love peanut butter so much, peanut butter and chocolate. And so I ordered it and it was friggin' amazing. And I feel like the next time we went, I ordered it. And now every time... I ever look at dessert anywhere, even at a restaurant where they don't have ice cream. She'll be like, uh, you want the peanut butter mountain? And it's just like the <laughs> ultimate knife of like, hey, big man. How long ago was that? I don't remember that. <clears throat> when the peanut butter mountain was around? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it was a lot. I, I got to say 10 to 15 years. I was got before the kids. I mean, Sarah, uh, Mrs. Planner and I were just like people. <laughs> Now we're parents. <laughs> we were like normal humans. Now I make my kids sick because I buy them bubble tea. Those were the days. All right. Let's continue the show. I've got a lot of very important things. Mm. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame. Lots of questions today from listeners. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. It's user-generated content. Um, dear Pete. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Here's my question. Uh, lots of people with retirement accounts get paid on the same schedule, bi-weekly, monthly. We just switched from, well, we're, we were bi-weekly to semi-monthly. Correct. I really get confused around, because bi-weekly could mean 
yeah, anyway, twice a week, or it can mean every other week. Yeah. Anyway, if a lot of those people have pre-tax contributions going into equities on the same day they get paid, how come we don't see consistent but small market jumps on Fridays or the last day of the month with so many people auto-buying indexes at once? Thanks, Eric from Noblesville, Indiana. That is, that's a great question. It's very perceptive. Um, but damn, it's a pretty simple answer. Yeah, yeah. The heart of the matter is, is that there are enough different payment methods, whether it's weekly, biweekly, monthly, semi-monthly, whatever that is. And the day that you get paid on varies by employer as well, that even if every employer was able to make that contribution on the day payroll was made, it'd be spread out enough that you wouldn't see that much of a blip on any one particular day. However, as we mentioned in the first segment, employers have some latitude on when they can remit those contributions, your contributions. As I said, they are supposed to make that contribution as soon as administratively possible by separating those funds from the general accounts and into your nice little 401k account but if they can't do it quite that quickly, they are required to do it by the 15th day of the following month. So just because you get a paycheck on the 7th doesn't mean that that 401k balance, that 401k contribution is going to hit on the 8th. It could possibly be the very beginning of the next month. It's, it's all over the map. Yeah, Dame, um, I'll even talk about our own situation, right? So it used to be we were paid every other Wednesday. Now it's different but uh, and when i would submit the 401k contributions sometimes they'd hit friday mm -hmm. and sometimes they'd hit monday but even if i submitted them on tuesday or or, or, or scheduled for them to submit on wednesday on tuesday and so yeah it, it's so all over the board that uh there really aren't patterns where you think there should be yeah and that we didn't even account for the uh the method that the contributions are remitted. Yeah, there, there may be some, some small businesses that still remit with a check every you know, twice a month and they, they send it in with a, a, a roster of who made what contributions. Could be done uh, through a payroll provider. And it have the, the 401k just happens to be at the payroll provider as well. And that's going to go a lot quicker than, than uh, the, the first method I mentioned. So there's any number of variables that are going to add complexity and time to this equation, and that's why we don't see big jumps in in uh, the stock market on buys on any one given day due to retirement plan contributions. I think the general public would be shocked at how much manual uh, occurrences still are in the financial world, right? The checks and and and, and handwritten rosters of contributions. It is it is much more automated than it was 15 years ago. That's for sure. But there's still a lot of manual transactions. When you started as an advisor, did, do you remember uh, cards and client files that tracked cost basis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, that, so cost basis, everyone. Uh, if you go out and buy 100 shares of Apple for whatever the heck Apple is trading at right now, that's going to be your cost basis. You're going to, that's going to be recorded now digitally. But once upon a time, that transaction had to be recorded with your advisor by hand on a card that you could uh, 
look back on when you sold those 100 shares to see how much you spent originally to figure out what that gain or loss was going to be. It was a very manual process. And uh, technology has streamlined so many things in the financial world, but there are still a bunch of a uh, bunch of things that, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, are still require the human touch. Track, tracking down cost basis, whether it's as an individual investor or a haphazardly organized financial advisor in the early two thousands, was the bane of my existence. I spent so much time on the phone with Putnam trying to figure out <laughs> cost basis. My internal wholesaler and I were on a first name basis and it was it was an experience. I, I mean, I have to admit, I do not miss a single day of being a financial advisor. And I say that with respect to the people who do the work. Yeah, it's uh, sure you can make a really nice living at it. Yes, it is very stressful to do right it is i would also note i don't know why are we what am i doing but i would also know one of the toughest parts about i think being a, a i'll call a young financial advisor someone that is uh, current with the trends um is the pull the urge to be publicly relevant <laughs> when your real job is to manage the money of your actual clients. And I'm saying this in a really frank way, coming from a person who built a brand, mm -hmm. Pete the Planner, to attract clients, serve clients. Uh, but if by me having a brand a, to attract clients, am I serving my actual clients in doing that? No, I'm not. I mean, you could argue that I would, but but I, I think ultimately that's why I left the, the financial business because I was like, man, I care a lot more about educating people and you know attracting uh, people to be interested in their money than I do helping them make the actual decisions around their investments. And that's part of the reasons I left the business. But I still think that's a big challenge uh, for today's modern advisor of, does being on CNBC actually serve your clients? It 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 doesn't. No, but it, it financial advising is still a business. Whether you're a one person shop or, or whatever, and that is marketing, it's pure marketing. Being able to say, "Listen, people come to me. I am an expert. Uh, I have the knowledge that you need to be able to retire comfortably." And successfully, so it's it's a pure marketing play, and I, I get it. it. We see a lot of young advisors on social media, and that's where they are trying to. That's the that's the market, the the demographics that they are going after for their clients, and where they see uh, the future for for their business. And so it, it makes sense to me that they put themselves out there. Now, there's a much larger discussion on how much time you spend there and and what the content is you put out there, but. You know, I, who am I to tell uh, someone who's out there busting their rear end hustling, trying to make their business work, that what they're doing is wrong? I, that's that's not for me to say. I mean, I I just got uh, an industry uh, financial magazine uh, the other day doing the uh, one of the classic forty for forty or forty under forty. Yeah, there were I don't know, 15, 20 individuals on that list some of them as young as 30, that had billions 
under management. Billions. Can you imagine being 30 again, Pete, and having over a billion dollars under management? I cannot. That's That puts you into a whole different level. And if you want to go out and you know spend some time on, on Twitter marketing yourself, well, I don't think you need to. But if that's what you choose to do, you've figured something out. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to be overly critical of that group. I'm just saying it's it's a... It's the nature of when back in the day, if you were to call a large wirehouse their 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 main number and say, "I'd like to talk to your best investment advisor," you're not getting routed to the best investment advisor. You're getting routed to the top producer, which is totally different. It is a marketing mechanism, not a performance mechanism. But it is a performance mechanism for the wirehouse because they bring in the most production. Right. I don't know. Two inside baseball. Dame, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week in current events. Congress may actually ban stock trading. Is it really going to happen? We'll talk about it next. By the way, is that on your agenda to talk about in current events? So, you know what? I probably ought to go find that uh, that <laughs> article real quick. Sorry, since bro. You've, uh... I, can, I can cover it if we have to. I'll, I'll find it. Oh. Yeah, I'm not being overly critical of anyone in particular. I, I'm just saying it is, it's also weird. I'm, and I'm not closing the door behind me. I, I'm just saying like, I've been there where you get so caught up in your own brand that the brand itself feels more important than what your job is. Yeah, that, That's all I'm saying. And, and, and that's not a good thing. I'm admitting publicly to all 11 people who care on this show that at times it becomes distracting. You, you're making progress on your brand, but you're not making progress towards serving people. And what you choose to care about, it, it's, it's fickle, right? It's like, I'm choosing to care about this because this feels good. I'm getting the instant gratifications of likes and clicks and things, but those things actually don't matter. But what if they what do, it's worth. To, to the end of it, to, the, to your clients, what if that does? What if they want to be a part of a social media rock stars? I'm going to throw up. Why did you say that? Because I don't know. Out, you know, it's out there. You of course I do. I know. <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm ready to go if you are. Yeah, I, it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's my middle name. Three. You're, you're, Go ahead. I say you're busy. We got, we got to go. Oh, that's right. That's right. Very true. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on said show is the Bartesian home cocktail machine. What Keurig did for coffee, Bartesian is doing for the home bar. Why am I talking like this? Uh, the on-demand cocktail machine whips up craft cocktails with the push of a button. It uses pre-measured recyclable capsules created by professional mixologists that are filled with the bitters, juices, and liqueurs needed to create margs, whiskey sours, old fashions, or your drink of choice. Once inserted, add your liquor of choice to the reservoir. Select your preferred strength. <sighs> I have strength is Friday. <laughs> and press mix on the touch screen display. The Bartesian even cleans up after itself and runs an automatic clean cycle to ensure, um, you know, every drink 
being the best. Dame, what do you think this is? Rick Swink, listener of Facebook Live, says he believes this is $349.99. Dame, what do you think the Bartesian home cocktail machine costs? $299. Ooh. Rick wins. $370. Here's the thing with this, Dame. I enjoy a post-work cocktail. In fact, last night, after I sugar-bombed my daughter with a boba tea, and my uh, Mrs. Planner took uh, Theodore to soccer. I made myself a cocktail, listened to Anthony Hamilton while I cooked everyone dinner. Okay? So I love a good cocktail. But for me, mixing is the best part of the cocktail. And by the way, Danza on Facebook Live just said the same thing. Mixing is part of the cocktail experience. The whole point I want to make a paper plane or a boulevardier or an old-fashioned or a Manhattan or whatever, it's because it's the process is so relaxing. I don't want a, a, an alcoholic Keurig to do it, by the way, I also saw a review of these types of machines on uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels called How to Drink. That is How to Drink. Uh, and uh, they did taste tests on these versus the actual drink. He made a good one, and then he tasted the different versions of these different devices, and he said they were just completely abysmal. Abysmal. Does that really surprise you, though? No. No. I, it, this seems like it's a, a product destined for mediocrity, and it's... <laughs> and it's in its uh, results, I, I just don't see how that could be anywhere as close to getting doing the real thing yourself or having a, a skilled bartender make you the drink. I do need to let you know of one of my new favorite uh, YouTube channels because I have very weird tastes in YouTube channels. Yeah. Uh, it's called Miami Boat Ramps. Mm. And it is cameras set up at various public launches of boat ramps throughout South Florida. And then a guy commentates everyone's problems of trying to dock their boat or like hitting other boats or getting into fights. And the, the thing is like the guy's approach, cause it, it could go a lot of different directions. He's like a really nice sort of humble guy who, who doesn't use profanity and he's just commentating. It's like watching Leave it to Beaver while people have these chaotic moments at the boat ramp. <laughs> and they're all eight minutes long and I'm obsessed with them. I watch them every day because they just make me happy. Um, yeah, so Miami boat ramps. And it also has me thinking I will never, ever, ever, ever want to launch a boat or be involved with launching a boat because it looks chaotic. That guy needs to get those videos up to at least 10 minutes so he can monetize those things. Oh, is that the thing? I, it, at least it was you know, probably a year ago. They had to be at least 10 minutes before he could monetize them. Dame, what's in the news this week? Legislation to tighten controls on U.S. lawmakers' financial transactions, including possibly banning them from buying and selling stocks, could be put on a fast track toward passage, House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on Wednesday. Weeks ago, Pelosi said the House Administration Committee was reviewing several suggestions from rank-and-file members amid calls for a new prohibition on stock market transactions. I saw that Tommy, is it Tuberville or Tuberville? Former, I think it's Tuberville. Tuberville, former college football coach, mm -hmm. said he's against this because then they won't be able to attract successful people to run for Congress. 
And then I saw someone tweet, Tuberville has always had problems with the SEC, <laughs> which is about as funny as it gets. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how every single American, and maybe every American is behind this legislation. This is what I, we said it weeks ago on the show. This is the piece of legislation that mends the fences. This is what we all agree on. No one in their right mind thinks lawmakers should be able to trade individual stocks. Doesn't this, we, you know, there is a consensus. I would like to think there is a very large consensus that this is a law that needs to be implemented and it hasn't been done for so long. Does that give you a lot of faith in government or Congress itself that they're really looking out for the best for the American citizens if they can't even do something that people want to see done across all political spectrums? Yeah, it is fun. I was thinking last night as I'm listening to Anthony Hamilton. Do you like Anthony Hamilton, Dame? I, uh, did he, is he the guy on Broadway? No. No, Dame, can you t later today just tell whatever digital device you have, just the best of Anthony Hamilton, just listen to it while you're working. Okay. It, it'll change your life. Anyway, I was listening to Anthony drinking a cocktail last night and I thought to myself, and let's not get too dark here. Let's not get too morose because I, this is a positive comment that can go negative fast. When is the next time? Don't ever, don't say never, by the way. When is the next time? People from both sides feel okay about a president. Don't get too dark here, Dame, because I know your, your answer is likely never. But like how many years out maybe is the question? How many years out are we from both sides going, yeah, it's fine. I, I would have preferred someone different, but this is fine. How far out are we? Don't say never. At Unless least 20 to. years. 20 years. Okay. At, at least 20 years. Okay, at least 20. I can work with that. I think, I mean, four years, obviously not. Eight years. Well, actually, we're, we're, we are we're to think about this. We're, we're at two years. So six years, obviously not. This is the best way to think about that, right? Yeah. Uh, Ten years, probably not. Um, Fourteen years? Probably not. So we're probably, we're to 18 years. Maybe. Maybe. You know, because if you think about the two hot button issues that people might all choose to agree on, there's two. There's the stock trading thing, which I think most people agree on. Mm -hmm. And then there's the term limits thing, mm -hmm. which a lot of people agree on. But I think there's a reasonable argument. Mm -hmm. While I don't hold that view, I, I, I buy the argument as to why that doesn't make sense. Institutional knowledge, consistency, people will be constantly redoing things. You know, I, I, I buy those arguments, although I disagree with them. Um I don't know. Uh, this is a pointless conversation. What else is in the news? Nearly 1 million fewer students have enrolled in college since the beginning of the pandemic. Between the sky-high costs and hefty student loan debt, would-be freshmen are struggling to see the value in a degree. At the same time, more companies are hiring workers straight out of high school amid an ongoing labor shortage. Nationwide, fewer students went back to school again this year, dragging undergraduate enrollment down another 3.1% from last year, according to a recent report by the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, based on data from colleges. The number of undergraduates in college is now down 5.1% compared to two years ago, a loss of 938,000 students. On the upside, more students who enroll in college stay on to complete their degrees. 
Now about 42% of students who start at a two-year school finish the program within six years, an uptick from previous classes. In comparison, 69% of students who matriculated at a four-year public university complete their degree within six years, and that rate jumps to 78% for those who start at a four-year private school. That's good news. Yeah. I, I mean, I know people don't like to hear a million less people going to college is good news, but that's really good news. Yeah. I was I was wondering if you would have that perspective when I read it. We're out of time. Hey, Dame, thanks for being you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean that. I appreciate that. Sending good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This was the show. That's great news. Yeah. I, it's it's not bad. There are a lot of people that are going to read that and go, oh, that's horrible. And probably mostly people in higher ed. But... It's not bad. We internally, you may not even know this, Dame, despite the fact that you're on the executive team. Internally, the decision was made within our organization that if a job does not require a college degree in our organization, then we're not going to require a college degree on the job description. Good. Right? Because that's not right. It's, it's not right. And it perpetuates people getting degrees that, that have no business getting a degree. Um, now there are certain positions that require a degree. Mm -hmm. Great. We'll post that. But other people, they, we will say preferred. Sure. I, you know, shame on organizations that don't even know why they put college degree required. Actually, you know what? I, I want to take that back because I hate when people say shame on, because I think it's stupid and I just said it. Um, I think people that are doing that should reconsider that, uh, process because there's no good that can come from it. You think you're getting better people. That's just not the case. No, not at all. All right, Dame, I got to go. Very important things. Very important person. That interview is still going on? Can you interrupt? It is. I, that's why I, like, I want to yeah. get out there and just mix it up. I, what if I came on with like a, like, came out with a mask, like a scream mask? Just like, yeah. Can you go out just sweating profusely? Um, yeah, I could. I mean... Yeah, very easily. Um, Dame, I wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you, Pete. Uh, you get me a boba tea. It'll make you sick. I'll ruin an entire family. Um, okay, everyone. Here's my gift to you. Stay getting money.